2: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. It was almost five months ago that former KGB agent Sergei Skripal and his daughter were found semi-conscious and frothing at the mouth in a park in Salisbury. The resulting investigation turned out to be one of the most bizarre criminal cases in the history of UK policing and the verdict was that the pair had been deliberately targeted and poisoned by a deadly nerve agent manufactured and delivered by the Russian state. Vladimir Putin and his ministers flatly denied the accusations and instead counted that they were being maligned and set up as the mad guys just because the Prime Minister, Theresa May, needed a bogeyman. Today, the news is even more bizarre, uh, as another couple, completely unrelated to the scribbles are fighting for their lives in the same part of Salisbury, having been poisoned by the same nerve agent, whatever is going on down in Wiltshire. And what does it all mean? 0344 499 1000. Daisy McAndrews here. We'll try and get to the bottom of it all. Coming up later on in the show, we'll be talking to Lord Daniel Finkelstein, ahead of the Make or Break Brexit cabinet meeting at Chequers tomorrow. And we'll be telling you exactly how you can literally get out of bed on the wrong alongside uh, and as i mentioned to julie hartley brewer there's a few feral chickens running wild on jersey just for good measure 0344 499 1000 you're listening to me mike graham and Daisy McAndrew on talk radio
1: the independent republic of mike graham on talk radio
2: let's talk uh, now to dr andrew foxall who's from the henry jackson society because surely it would appear uh, that somebody has made a massive blunder here dr foxall a very good morning to you welcome
3: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is a very bizarre development, I'd have to say, uh, not least because we were told that certain parts of Salisbury had been subjected to a massive clear up campaign and, and the Hazmat Brigade were there for a long time. It would now appear that, well, at least we can assume, they might have missed something.
3: Well, so as you say, the, the sort of the working thesis at the moment is that, is that the Novichok was, you know, sort of quote unquote, left behind um, after the, the uh, attack in March on Sergei and Yulia Skripal. Mm. If, if that is so, then I think there are then two implications. It seemed to me are immediately obvious. One, as you suggest, questions are now going to be asked about the effectiveness of the of the so called clean-up by authorities over the past four months, and whether you know there there are in a sense unknown unknowns, and and whether the the risk to the general public, you know, there is a risk to the general public, and and whether or not that that continues.
2: Well, yeah, um, because obviously you would have to you would have to assume that if this is a mistake, then there could be many other mistakes out there that we have not yet discovered.
0: Um, Andrew, can I ask you, because, of course, straight after this Kripal incident, we had this massive diplomatic war of words between the UK and Russia, and then, in fact, between many of our allies and Russia, with Russia maintaining its innocence and saying that it was all a sort of British conspiracy and that it was all rubbish and, and... you know, and then obviously we had sanctions and all sorts that followed on a you know, big diplomatic fallout. Will today's story, do you think, make any difference to that diplomacy or lack of diplomacy? I mean, for instance, is this going to be sucker for the Russians?
3: It, I mean, certainly focuses minds ahead of, for example, President Trump's visit to the to the UK ahead of the NATO summit in Brussels next week, and then beyond that ahead of, of President. Uh, President Trump's meeting with with President Putin um, in in, Hel- in Helsinki the, the, the week uh, a week on from there I think what it does is you, you know it's a reminder of first of all of, of the Russian state's actions um, it's also in some senses a reminder of the of, of what is a, a sort of the regime's calling card you, you know it, w- mm. one of the one of the key traits of Putin's regime is its blatant disregard for human life now. Um, recalling 2006, um, yes, Alexander Litvinenko was poisoned by polonium-210, but a trail of polonium was quite literally left across Europe, and and the places that the the two suspects, Dmitry Kovtun and Andrei Lugovoy, visited, not only in London, but also across Europe, were themselves contaminated. So... In some senses, that was that was you know, hugely or grossly irresponsible, um, and so too you can argue it's the case with Novichok. But I you know, go back to my earlier point that 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 what. That the information that the authorities are able to piece together about where these two individuals came into contact with the Novichok, um, I, where and how they came into, into contact with it, will help an awful lot with the Skripal investigation. But I, I mean, I would just say this as well, that any, any you know, quote-unquote soft power gains that Russia was hoping to get out of its hosting of the World Cup seem to me to have, have, have been entirely uh, wasted. I, you know, I, I think the image you know the the world being reminded of of of, of russia's uh you know grotesque irresponsibility um it is, is is one that, that President Putin would, would, would not want. Well
2: of course President Putin will say, as will his uh, Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, uh, that this is all made up, this is all nonsense, there is no proof that ties it to Russia and unfortunately there really isn't, is there? Apart from you know what has been said in the past, there doesn't appear to be any real proof. I mean, Sergei Lavrov was interviewed on Channel 4 News the other night um, and he did a magnificent job of dissembling all the accusations against Russia. Uh, he said that in fact many Russian citizens have been killed on British soil, more so than in any other country in the world. World, and what is britain doing about it they never asked russia for any help so it's a sort of a war of attrition it seems to me
3: it, it um so you know the, the kremlin lies um it's one of president putin's perhaps least uh, you know uh, least uh, appealing characteristics is that is that he lies mm. and i think we just have to accept that you know it's quite telling that um yesterday or and in fact even uh, on the weekend um when news well, a few days ago when news initially started to break about the, the, these two individuals, you know, initially, of course, they suspected that it was some sort of drugs overdose or something of that sort. It, as soon as the news started to break, as soon as there was that sort of drip, drip effect of, uh, of, of the news breaking, the Russian state and its media outlets were all over this news. So RT, you know, the Russia... Uh, primary propaganda arm in the UK was even before Novichok was mentioned was we releasing stories saying Russia will be blamed for this. You know, the, 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 the you know, the, the, there is some sort of conspiracy to to attach this to Russia. And we just need to we need, you know, if we sort of head it off um, initially and acknowledge it, then, you know, as part of this sort of disinformation um, campaign that that, Russia is undertaking. So we, you know, this is just generally what the Kremlin does in these sorts of situations.
2: And what about the, um, the way that the whole Skripal thing was handled initially? Because there's a lot of holes in the story as well. And I mean, you know, the World Cup is on. I mean, we were reading this morning that, you know, some British English fans are paying thousands and thousands of pounds to go out for the game against Sweden. If, if England win that game, they're likely to stay around for the following semi final the following week. You know, the, the, the British public, it seems to me, are not buying the whole, you know, Russia as the bogeyman scenario.
3: Well, you know, ahead of the World Cup, a, a, an awful lot of attention was, was given to the, the risks or threats that um, supporters from around the world might face yeah. if they travel to Russia. Now, those, those threats and risks were, were perfect, are perfectly as valid today as they were when, when they were... Uh, when but when people they are calling it the greatest World Cup they've public. ever seen
2: and they're saying they're having a great time and the Russians are, are, are handling it very well because none of that is happening.
3: But, I mean, there's a distinction to make between the Russian people and the Russian state. The the, the Russian state um, is a grotesquely corrupt, aggressive entity. The Russian people, by and large, are perfectly nice, sound human beings. It's an important. Apart from the football hooligans, who appear to have been sort of silenced into not doing anything. (laughs) Well, yeah. So too the Cossacks uh, and a number of other, you know, groups of of individuals who have been co-opted by the state over recent years. Uh Um, You know, as I say, it's important to distinguish between the Russian state and the Russian people.
2: By the way, uh, I've got a tweet here from somebody called James Price who says, apparently, it's the eighty-first birthday of spam today. Just so that you can uh, celebrate something.
0: Of spam emails. Spam? Well, spam not emails, spam haven't, emails have, no. haven't been around for No, years, spam so. like
2: as in the tinned you as, as meat. The
0: t- yeah, probably people don't even know,
2: people what, don't know what spam, spam is. is.
0: Why not? And, and I was told... I used to have
2: spam fritters at somebody school. Somebody can
0: tell me this, that actually spam was named after spam, as in spam emails were named after spam ham. Oh, really? I can't not. remember what the connection I was. I don't
2: know why we've gone down that route. But <laughs> I, I went to a pub in Edinburgh when I was at the Edinburgh Festival a couple of years ago, and they, they sold spam... Uh, chips and they were like spam, sort of you know, spam cut in the shape of chips and deep fried.
0: This, so that's like an alternative to the very trendy halloumi chips,
2: indeed. Yeah, well, <laughs> this is Scotland. We're talking yeah, about. spam. Now, let's talk to Victoria James, was a life coach. Because an interesting story today, which stems from a study done, I think, in Pennsylvania at the University, uh, the State University of Pennsylvania, about how if you really think you waking up on the wrong side of the bed, you actually can do so, because if you wake up thinking you're going to be stressed out during the day, you actually will be. It's a case of sort of self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess. Victoria, very good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. I presume you did not get out on the wrong side of the bed this morning.
4: <laughs> no, it was a good side of the Excellent. bed. Excellent. Good.
2: You. Now, it's quite quite interesting, this, isn't it? I'm a great believer in the power of positive thinking. Um, and this would appear to be the sort of power of negative thinking, wouldn't it? If you wake up, you're worried about something that's going to happen, inevitably you will have a bad day
4: it's the self-fulfilling prophecy and mindset is so important in all of this
2: right because i will tell us why uh if you are worried about something uh, this study has kind of proved that that it will come true if you like
4: yeah i think it's about giving your mind a chance to catch up with the reality of what's going on rather than the worry of what might go on um, so if you're waking up in the morning stressed and thinking about a difficult meeting or an interview, it's about reframing that and thinking, how can this go really well? What would this look like if it came out exactly the way I wanted it to be?
2: Right. And what about the, te- uh, sorry, go
4: on. No, no, I was just going to say having techniques such as a morning mindful meditation can really change the shape of that day. So while you're brushing your teeth, for example, just taking five minutes of deep breathing and it really does have a long term effect of having a more, sort of positive state of mind.
2: Right. I mean, I tend to meet people who are either positive or negative, generally speaking, or in almost every respect. You know, if, if you're a, an optimistic kind of person, you don't worry too much about stuff. But if you're a pessimist, you worry about everything.
4: Yeah, we really look for those things. You know, when something bad happens, it trips us up in the morning, you can end up focusing on what's going wrong throughout the day. Whereas if you hadn't have had a falter in the morning, you probably wouldn't even notice those things. So yeah. it's that where you choose to lay your attention. Because there's
2: nothing wrong with being worried, is there, necessarily?
4: No, it's good for us. And having a certain level of stress and worry and concern can actually be really good for us. It helps us function well. It helps us appreciate when things are going brilliantly. And it highlights when things just need raining in a bit and aren't, aren't working so well. Right.
0: I'm just wondering if we don't teach our kids that sort of stress and anxiety can be OK, that perhaps we're always trying to slightly mollycoddle them and they're not going to be as prepared
4: absolutely and having an understanding of all emotions is really important and it it helps with their emotional intelligence in the long term it's okay to feel worried it's all right to be concerned or not like something it's about recognizing that and processing the feelings that come up through anxieties or worries or pressures
0: and and at what point does it turn into something to be sort of worried about should
2: we all be sitting here worried about getting poisoned (laughs) by the russians for example (laughs) I'll tell you, I'm glad you think it's funny.
4: <laughs> it's hard not to when you phrase it like that. Um, when it starts to become debilitating, so when you choose not to do something because something bad might happen or you avoid a situation mm. where it's going to be uncomfortable, it, it's about redressing that balance and bringing it into what's the reality, what's going on here, what's really happening in the moment and not... Not thinking something through to the end before it's actually happened, because very often it goes completely differently. Always visualise the best outcome. How can this work really well? And it changes your own attitude, your own mindset and where you come from. And you end up naturally coming from a more positive, um, po- more positive place in times of difficulty. Mm.
2: I was just reading a piece in the Times this morning about how apparently coming up on Saturday, of course, is the next England game. And if it goes to a penalty shootout during a penalty shootout involving England, your heart rate is literally as high as if you're going for a massively long run, which is quite stressful.
4: <laughs> that is stressful. It is. And it's amazing that to think that a game can evoke such emotion in us. you know, we hold our breath and keep our fingers crossed in penalty shootouts like it's going to make any difference.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. And will you be watching it?
4: Of course, yes. It's going to be a football party here. <laughs>
2: Excellent. Great stuff. Victoria, thank you very much indeed. Victoria James, our life coach, telling us how important it is um, to do a bit of sort of breathing and stuff like that. I mean, the trouble is, I mean, you're a busy mother, a working mother. Yeah. Um, somebody trying to sort of hold it all together. I don't want to paint, paint a picture of you as like, you know. Chaos. Chaos. An- Anarchy. Uh, that's no, well, you're Macandrew. not. But, you know, it's difficult. I mean, my, my, my house is pretty chaotic uh, on, any, on any given morning. I yeah. mean, I, te- I was texting my son last night um my ten, my eleven year old, right, who said, you know, can you get hold of mummy because she's locked me out of her room? And apparently <laughs> uh, apparently she was so fed up with him coming in and, and disturbing her that she locked her door. Right. By this time That's she'd fallen asleep. And he's I'm like, What's the problem? And he goes, Well, I've got a lot of horseflies and spiders in my room. He's a bit over dramatic. And I said, Well, open your door, get rid of the horseflies and we eventually sort of sorted it all out. It was just ten o'clock last night. Yeah. You know, and it never they, stops. So
0: we- Well, that's the problem. And, you know, in in the mornings particularly, I think most people... Getting everybody
2: off to school. Getting
0: them all off. You know, the house is total chaos.
2: I mean, you're not going to be able to get up and sort of do 20 minutes of breathing exercises, are you?
0: No, and it's, you know, it's something that... Apart from hyperventilating. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly, breathing through my nose, very very very, very fast into a bag. But no, so particularly my girlfriends, and I don't want to be sexist about this because, of course, you know, parents come in all shapes and sizes and sexes and But mostly they're women. But you know, statistically, mostly they are women, and particularly the sort of the working woman's struggle. And and you know, we're all constantly talking about I've got so many plates in the air, and they're all coming crashing down on either side, and the and you forget that's perfectly
2: normal yeah and that's how most people live though i mean you know the idea that most people can take time out and victoria's you know a very smart woman and i'm sure it works for some people but for most people you can't do that.
0: No, and all the advice is, you know, snatching 10 minutes for yourself yeah. uh, will pay dividends. Mm. You just don't feel at the time that you yeah. can afford that 10 minutes. And I'm sure it's, it's absolutely true that, and, you know, particularly doing exercise or doing something for yourself. And I've got some girlfriends that said, I went for a run at six o'clock this morning. And I think, geez, how the yeah, how I do know. you actually manage to get out I know. of the house to, I know. to do it's that? It's shocking. It's amazing. We'll take your
2: calls on that as well Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand. Oh, I up. also
0: have breaking news. Spam was named after Spam. And it was all. Was because of a Monty Python sketch, spam, where spam, spam, spam. spam, spam that one, it was yeah. because of that that spam, the email spam, okay. was called
2: spam. All right, let's talk to Joe, who's in Liverpool. Hi, Joe. Hi there, hi there, yeah. yeah. What do you want to say, Joe? Um, my point is this
5: um, we are told constantly that Novichok is so deadly that it kills in minutes. Yeah. So, wh- what happened to this couple?
2: And the last one? In,
5: the, and the last one. They're in critical condition, no doubt they will recover. What happened to the ambulance services that picked them up twice? Surely they were affected. Well, indeed. What happened to the A&E staff who are treating them? Mm. Surely they will be affected.
2: I mean, we have to say, I suppose, at this point, Joe, that we don't yet know whether they will recover. I mean, we were told, certainly, in the in, in the in this case of the Scripples, that they were near death. And, in fact, somebody once, I think one of their friends said, it would be better to let them die. But then they recovered. The police officer involved recovered. We don't yet know, uh, so we can't say for sure, that these pair will recover. Obviously, we hope that they do. But, you know, it's not a certainty yeah, they are, they at are are this criti- moment in time.
0: They are critical. But, Joe, are yeah, you... about the hospital. You, sorry. So, th- you've got, obviously, all these questions about, you know... Uh, why everyone else isn't coming down with it? Does that mean that you don't believe that this couple did come across Novichok? That you think it's just a story?
5: I think it's just uh, a story. I mean, you had that Dr. Foxall. Oh, what a government stooge that was! You know, I mean, I just didn't believe any word he, he, he came out of his mouth, basically. But isn't the problem, another, problem here, Joe? Another Joe, point. That... Go on. Sorry. Another point. Another point is why isn't the hospital isolated? I mean, if the if the Novichok on the door handle, of the scripples were so pure so pure, they would have been dead in minutes.
0: But, Joe, if you're saying that this story has been concocted by the government, they're shooting themselves in the foot because this story makes them look bad no matter what you what you read oh, into oh, it. Oh, Either the services' clean-up job was a really bad yeah. clean-up job and they've left, you know, life-endangering substances lying around for children or anybody else to pick up, yeah. or... They, 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 the investigation has gone very badly. One way, or an, one way or another, this doesn't reflect well on the government. So why would they make it all up?
5: Well, who knows? I mean, governments lie, politicians lie like crazy. You may, we, we can look into Britain's secret wars
2: if you want. Um, But wouldn't you accept as well, then, Joe, that if governments lie, then the Russian government also lies. And, you know, it's it's up to us to somehow try and work out who's telling more of the truth than less of the truth. And I'd have to say the Russians have got more history of lying than the British government has.
5: Well, I'm not surprised. Look, if you look at domestic human rights in in the UK, it is. People don't get shot dead for
2: disagreeing with the leaders in this country, I'm afraid, Joe. I'm not going to have that. You don't get shot dead on the street as a journalist for not backing the government.
5: Well, you know, you have a breach of the peace and you get arrested for nothing, basically, in this country as well.
2: Well, you don't get arrested Um, for nothing. And, uh, you know, similarly, that's not the same as getting shot dead, I'm afraid. Section 4, Section
5: 15, Section everything. Have you been arrested, uh, Joe? No, but uh, the other point I want to make is about Porton Down. Yeah. Maybe their disposal of... the. chemical uh, experiments is at fault as well. Maybe so. We never know.
2: We never know. It's very possible. It's a very mysterious story. Joe, thank you very much indeed for the call. Oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand uh, is the number. We've got lots and lots of tweets on this as well. Uh, and here's a text that's coming uh, to 87222. Start your message with the word TALK. As the couple are unable to communicate yet, we have, been, we have to be impartial and mentally ask when the Soviet Union broke up, could any of the batches of Novichuk uh, for research have fallen into the hands of a hostile country or party then sold on? Uh, was Novichuk shock replicated in labs for antidote research, carefully controlled and logged. Proof has to be had. Well, the problem is, of course, as ever, uh, Daisy, that, you know, there are things that we don't know. And as, as Dr. Foxhall said there, and I don't think he's a government stooge, by he means um, he has expertise in, in the area of what he's talking about. And unfortunately, you know, we can't live in a world where absolutely everything the government knows is revealed to the public. It just doesn't work like that. It,
0: it can't work like that when there are, you know, we do have enemies abroad. I mean, I think after the Skripal case, the fact that you know our allies, European allies, um, you know, transatlantic allies, did all line up behind us and agree with us yeah. was because they were privy to information that we were not privy right. to and you know, the so-called proof. Now, I am taking that on the word of the government. I completely mm-hmm. understand why other people Joe, once once bitten twice shy. Well,
2: unfortunately, you know, previous untruths told by the government, misrepresentation, sexed up dossiers, does not help the people to believe the government.
0: Absolutely. And this is why when governments lose trust, you know, they do turn into the boy who cried wolf. And when they genuinely need to say, you need to trust me on this, Mm. people don't. And I completely understand that. However, you cannot, as you were saying to Joe there, you cannot compare the human rights record of the British government, with the Russian government. No. I mean, they are chalk and cheese. Exactly. And, and, and I'm not
2: going to have people come on here and say, oh, well, the Russians and the no. British are just as bad as each other. But They're I compel-
0: not. I completely understand. understood when Dr. Foxall said, you know, the Russians lie and Russia has form, that that was going to be red flag to yeah. a bull. Right. To anyway, because you can't just go around you know, saying these things as fact without some sort of... Except,
2: you know, watching the interview, I don't know if you saw it uh, with Sergei Lavrov on Channel 4 News last week, you know, the guy was an expert at uh, just kind of deflecting things, you know, making sure that any doubt that could be passed on to a, a particular yeah. subject was passed on. Um, and how, I mean, how about this from JPT? Still no CCTV footage from Salisbury, nor mobile phone footage of two people foaming at the mouth in a public place in the middle of the day, nor any reports of a man acting suspiciously or a car police would like to trace or an artist's impression of a suspect. Nothing. Well, that's true too. I'm afraid yeah. I can't answer no, why it is. these things are not made available, but presumably there is a reason for it. But it doesn't help the British public take seriously the government's accusations of Russian involvement.
0: No, and I think then the problem. The more I read about this couple, which I hadn't realised yesterday, is you know one is a registered um, hard drug addict. Uh, the the lady has moved recently moved into a, a shelter for the homeless, and. I think that the fact that they are clearly vulnerable people, no matter how you look at them, will also make people think that they've somehow been sacrificed, yeah. that they that, that that they have been used to be got rid of because mm. they're not, you know, because they don't matter right. in some ways. And I'm absolutely certain that that element of the story will start to to come out and people will, that will also make people think this is some yeah. sort of conspiracy. Personally I don't think it I mean, is, but I, I can put, see dangerous, well, a dangerous put, territory ahead. I
2: would put this out there uh, for anyone who wants to consider conspiracy theories. If the government was doing something um, in, uh, in which they were trying to accuse a foreign government of doing when it wasn't true um, this would not be the way you do it to be honest because it's full of holes, it's full of questions it's yeah. full of uh, uh, things that cannot be proven yeah. and it's not a done deal. So if you're actually stitching somebody up, you make sure you stitch them up properly uh, and even this useless government could probably do a better job than that.
0: And I think one of the reasons why you and I are um, resistant of conspiracy theories is probably because we've worked on so many stories and had you know an insider's viewpoint on a lot of stories and realised mm. that they're nearly always cock up, not conspiracy. Yeah. I mean, it was when one of the, my first jobs when I was working for the the leader of the Lib Dem as basically a spin doctor, having been a journalist, and it was fascinating. To, to experience it, from, you know your poacher turned gamekeeper from the other side of the fence, and suddenly I was getting journalists saying oh so and so 's plotting against so and so or this is happening or why, why is this being leaked, and every time I investigated something like that, it would be a cock up of course, somebody had left something somewhere, it was not deliberate yeah. it was and then they 'd all tried to cover up the cock up, yes. which was an element of, but you know, but it had never been a deliberate ploy, and you do realize that that is so often the case when The rest of us are saying, "Oh, you know, put two and two together and get
2: seven and a half." It's more like the thick of it in the Ipcress File. No doubt about (laughs) that. I've just been reading, uh, having been sent this by Donovan. There's been some kind of an earthquake uh, in Sussex and uh, in parts of Surrey, right? Which is the third one in less than two weeks. What's going on? Well, I don't know. And I know, I, that,
0: I know that Heathrow Express has been down this morning. Well, that's very my, bad
2: news, because I've got to get on that tomorrow.
0: My old man has had a terrible journey. Yeah, well, to... serves
2: him right for working abroad. Yeah. That's what I say. Let's talk to Rupert Bell, a man who knows everything there is to know about what happens in Surrey during this particular month of Wimbledon. <laughs> uh, Rupert, a very good afternoon and welcome.
1: Good afternoon, yes. Uh, afternoon, Mike. Afternoon, Daisy.
2: Now, I'm hoping that your champagne will not have been too badly disturbed by this earthquake that seems to have hit to southern England.
1: Um, can I honestly say I didn't feel the earth move? Did you not? <laughs> so... Not for the first
2: time in your case, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> uh, something like that, Mike. <laughs> anyway, but, but now, poor old,
2: now poor old Caroline Wozniaki was moved yesterday mm. by an attack of the old flying ants. Now nobody seems quite sure whether today is flying ant day or or, or yesterday was. Well, I, I mean
1: it's it's muggy, um, and I think you know the the flying ants like a bit of that, and mm. the way the the summer has gone, you know this. Um, lengthy heatwave. I mean, I do remember the '76 one, but I mean, this all the time I've come into Wimbledon, uh, this has been a really hot. And obviously, the way the ants love these type of ants love hot weather, and if it's muggy, then it's um fair game to go and attack Caroline Wozniacki and all the spectators
0: (laughs) and Rupert what happens in that circumstance I mean do do the players are they allowed to complain can can they get the game postponed if they say that they're being put off or do they just have to man up and get on with it Uh, uh,
1: just get on with it Um, you know just um, you know unless unless it was a health hazard Yes. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose you might end up swallowing an ant if you're running and you know, you sort of just were well, these things enough. were like
2: flying into her ears and everything. It was a picture of yep. the times of are we trying to sort of get them out of her out of her head because they are they do swarm. And I mean, I'm surprised that for the uh, for the spectators, some enterprising yeah. young businessman hasn't come up with some kind of a net, you know, to, to uh, keep to keep put over your head or something.
1: Well, I mean, it's a sort of mini mosquito net, yeah. isn't it? I mean, you yeah. know,
2: sort of like what beekeepers yeah, something like um, that. <laughs> wear.
1: I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be a very sexy look for the spectators, <laughs> I don't see.
2: No, indeed. Uh, but, but, but 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 you know. So, are you prepared for another attack of the ants today, then? Or is um, there? A...
1: I, I hope there are no ants in my pants. No. Um, well, uh, let's hope not. You,
2: what about exactly the uh, what about the strawberries and cream this year? Have you sampled any of that yet? Um, well, um,
1: I, I I I don't buy them here. Because um, luckily last week I was picking my own, and I thought, well, I, I, I don't need to eat the ones that have come out of Kent. I'm, however good they are, but they're quite expensive. Rupert, Rupert, Rupert
2: has a massive spread in uh, Gloucestershire, you yeah. see, so he only ventures up to London during the odd uh, fortnight at Wimbledon. This, you... does,
0: this yeah. doesn't surprise me, Rupert at all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so, so, so I, so basically, but the strawberries are there. The pims is being drunk, um, and um, I, I'm looking out over the. Um, From where I am in in Centre Court, I'm looking out over the golf Course and there's a big hospitality village. And down below me is the champagne bar, the strawberries and cream outlet. And then they they also have a jazz band playing away before play gets underway on the show courts to get people into the mood down here. But actually... Nothing looks like a garden. There's only one bit of well, there's 18 bits of green for the court. Yeah, but the rest is just brown, well, brown, brown.
2: Although yesterday I started, I mean, because of the World Cup, I haven't been as sort of attentive to Wimbledon as I normally would be. I started watching the uh, the game yesterday uh, out on court number three, I think it was, with uh, Vavrinka, uh, who yeah. I can't remember whether he went out or not, but it was a very enthralling uh, a third match, set.
1: Held up. Held up in the rain last night. Well, that's
2: what I mean. It started raining, and I'm thinking, yeah. this is unbelievable. I mean, only at Wimbledon could it rain in the midst of the biggest summer heatwave we've ever had. Well, I, I, I've bit like you know thunderstorms, um,
1: but today is an is an absolute um, few. What a scorcher! But that's repetitive. But um, and tomorrow, I think it's getting even warmer. I look the long range weather forecast. There's just not a a drop of rain to be found, and that does present um, problems for the ground yeah. staff here because obviously. When they when it gets really hot, grass doesn't like it. It it just will it will wither in the sun. Yeah. So it's it's a real problem for the groundsman to keep the courts in absolutely pristine condition, given the the nature of the of the weather we're having, which we shouldn't really be complaining about. No, we should groundsman... Now a couple
2: of quick uh, questions on the yeah. sort of the tournament itself. Wimbledon apparently yeah. scheduled more women's matches than men's on the show courts for the first time in 25 years, which has got to be good, right? Well, yes, and we, it definitely seems, you know, they try and never say that they do these things, but there was a bit of a
1: hoo ha last year where it always seemed to be the men's. But clearly, there has been, you know, more women's matches scheduled on the show courts than, it, than in previous years. Um, uh, although today, when it comes to the uh, centre court, we've got uh, two men's matches featuring Nadal first up and then Carl Edmund. With Johanna Konta in the in the middle, um, but there definitely has been uh, an effort early on. Although it's more business as usual, two men, one women's match on on both the the, the main courts today. But right. it was definitely noticeable. Um, and but actually, in you know, many ways, they are outside Federer and Nadal, the star names, and they do feel it is be what they should be doing is the big names get used to the big courts, because sometimes they turn up having not played anywhere near one of the show courts, which is a bit unfair Uh, at times.
0: And Rupert, what about this hoo-ha about the final, with the final that's going to clash with the World Cup final, which does seem extraordinarily badly (laughs) organised?
1: I think we've got to accept the World Cup's only once every four years. They did talk to FIFA at one stage about why was the World Cup brought forward to four o'clock? Because normally it's much later, but clearly FIFA are running the biggest event. I believe there was a committee meeting at Wimbledon which lasted the sum total of 23 seconds when (laughs) they discussed the subject. Nothing changed. Business as usual. Now, of course, it's a bit of a hassle. People like me may be torn between two lovers when it comes to the actual day itself. What do you do? Because suddenly you're wanting to be at Wimbledon, working, but on the other hand... Although I do remember the win in back in 66, um, I was only a wee slip of a lad. Um, this will be a much more memorable occasion if the, um, if the dream does come true but and we are playing at four Rupert, o'clock. On-
0: sh- surely if by any miracle, and I feel like we shouldn't even be discussing this because we'll jinx it, but if by any miracle England was in the World Cup final, surely there would be pressure on Wimbledon to just move their, their it, final it, it, forward one hour to start at one o'clock instead of two o'clock.
1: I I think what you've got, the problem is this is a worldwide event and it's TV, you know, it's it's not just an England event. While, yes, it may be in Britain, this has a global significance as a sporting occasion and there are lots of... While we may be obsessed if we get to the final, other countries may not be quite as interested in the occasion. So, therefore, in America, where there are huge TV commitments, you can't suddenly say, right, we're going to... Just because England are in the World Cup final change it to one o'clock on on that Sunday. Well there won't be
2: anybody English in it will there?
1: Well no but uh, no there won't be Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's that problem solved then Across the UK,
0: online and on DAB The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio
2: If you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover we'd love to hear from you Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.